Hello and welcome back to Equity on Extra Crunch, where we stray just a little bit from the normal equity roundtable format to bring you interviews with leaders in the startup and venture capital world. You know, we go a little bit deeper, we go a little bit longer than we can on the regular show. Now, just before the market downturn, I had the opportunity to sit down with Monday.com's co-founder and CTO, Aaron Zinman, and its current CEO, Roy Mann. The world has changed quickly in the weeks that have followed our conversation, you know, just to pick a couple of things that are now different. Remote productivity-friendly services like Slack and Zoom are seeing usage spikes and also a wave of new customers as people begin to work from home more frequently. And we've also seen in the downturn, a lot of companies scramble to cut burn and conserve cash. As it turns out, Monday.com's story fits pretty well into both of those themes as its product can help aid remote teams with their work and also the business has a history of operating pretty cash efficiently. The chat has a few other highlights including how they've handled culture as they've scaled, how Monday.com has crossed a new and higher revenue threshold than we expected, and also that it has a target date for reaching cash flow positivity. Overall, this interview is a glimpse into a business that was doing well before the world changed and is probably doing even better now that it has. This clip begins in the middle of the interview, so please head over to Extra Crunch to get the full conversation. But in the meantime, sit back, hit play, and let's go. Well, originally, I wanted to bring up competition because I wanted to talk about CAC, but we ended up in a much more interesting place. But let's bring it back to the financial world, which is a bit more of my domain, even though that was actually quite interesting. I'm glad we, I'm glad we went there, to be clear. Because your, your competition is, is relatively uh, multifaceted and you can think about many different companies as being possible competitors with your, your company, I'm curious if that makes your customer acquisition costs uh, relatively steep or if you found a way to get around spending a lot of money acquiring customers. I, I know you raised $150 million last year, so you certainly had a lot of uh, capital to play with. Um, have you been deploying that aggressively on, on customer acquisition? And if so, how has that impacted your, your economics in the last like 12 months? Yeah, so, so first of all, um, we're lucky that the majority of our customers come from word of mouth and, mm -hmm. and other people recommending. Also, the tool itself have a built-in uh, kind of viral loop because um, we have this feature where you can invite guests from other companies. So if you have wow. a process with another company, you can invite somebody and that this person kind of get exposed to Monday so they can start adopting it. Mm -hmm. And the company is, is very efficient in terms of cash burn. We have relatively low CAC, and we managed to scale all this way while burning a very low amount of cash. We actually still have all the money that we raised from the previous in round. The entire last 150. Plus the one before. So Which was 50 in yeah. July yeah. 2018. So just to yeah. be clear, like we are spending a lot of money online okay, yeah. to acquire customers. We, we, we do have virality effect that makes us... Uh, if we wanted to, we could be even more aggressive, but yeah. that's not the route we took. And uh, like, uh, so uh, if we look forward, like uh, let's say a year and a half from mm -hmm. now, we're going to be uh, cash flow positive. A year and a half from uh, today. Yeah. So um, mid 2021. Yeah, okay. like roughly. Yeah. Uh, so the. Opportunity here is massive. Like mm -hmm. the market is really massive. I think also like uh, uh, the world is digitizing. You know, internet mm -hmm. is reaching our pockets, and now it's like it's happening in a lot of places that uh, businesses are digitizing. So, with respect to the size of the opportunity, we always wanted to scale more. To to uh, we can always spend more, and now we reach the point that we say we can do it profitably yeah. altogether. Uh, yeah. So you guys were early then to the idea of not spending too much money on growth because if you were if you had your last well, last round, efficiently efficiently yeah. very efficiently and like uh, we're very deliberate in well, why, how so we spend money. 
everyone else figured that out after WeWork imploded last year, <laughs> right? But you were very early to it. So I'm curious why you decided, uh, when you could have raised more and spent more money and, and been more aggressive, to use your word, why were you more deliberate? Why were you more efficient? What, what drove that mindset? I, I don't know. It's been part of our mentality since day one. Uh, I don't know if it's tied to the fact that uh, we're based in Tel Aviv, so maybe it's, it's kind of a different mindset. Sure. But we always knew that we're building you know, a huge company, but also a business. So at the end of the day, we always were very thoughtful about uh, making sure that the ROI is good on the CAC that we spend, that the money recycles quickly, mm -hmm. and that we uh, be very efficient. Even in terms of the number of employees that we have, uh, we're now at 130 million of ARR with 400 people. 120. Well, that was, that was no, last that week. No, that was like in the, <laughs> the, it was like the end of, uh, beginning of the year. Yeah. Like end of the oh, year. So 120 was beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, so, so, you know, in terms of people, we're also kind of lean. So, so we try to be, on one hand, very aggressive and grow as fast as possible. On the other hand, be very thoughtful uh, in terms of how we grow and make it healthy. And, and me and Aram both closed uh, startups before. Like, I had uh, two failed startups mm -hmm. before. One was, like, successful in terms of, like, users. We had, like, a million users in a game, but, but, but it didn't make money. Right. And like we, I, I didn't get, uh, I didn't have a salary with uh, having to pay rent for six months. That's brutal, you know. So once you build the third one, you want it to be right. You don't <laughs> yeah. want like we were never about like growth at all. We were, you know, very thoughtful because we appreciated the fact that it's succeeding. We weren't going to like uh, you know just like start with, uh, spending money on, on on things we didn't really understand what we'll get from them. I'm curious what's changed in, in how you've approached business from like 25 to 50 million ARR and now 52, I guess 130. What doesn't work at this scale that was very functional at 50 million that you were had to change? So I, I think like throughout the life of the company, like you have to break what you built before. Like you have to change. Like nothing is the same all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not just like 25 to 50. To, it's like every day we have to, you know, build something new and, and then as a result, and, and that's like the part that you don't think about, you have to break what you already built that will not work and like try stuff. So without the right culture to support it, to mm -hmm. allow people to just like uh, do stuff and, and not worry about the consequences, like try, fail, mm -hmm. and then, you know, but learn from that and then try again, then you, you, you can't really do it. So culture stays the same and informs change as the business grows and changes the, the processes then, I suppose? Well, well, it might be a lot of things that you change, mm -hmm. but the problem as you grow, it becomes more challenging to change because there's more people and uh, people tend to kind of stick with what they know, right? So it's harder to change, but a big part of our challenge is to keep that momentum of change, keep changing all the time. Uh, I can give you one example sure. that, um, you know, a year and a half ago, you know, we had this great momentum of growth. Uh, we didn't have a sales team, uh, which was also kind of... Surprising. A year and a half ago, you didn't have a sales team? Yeah. yeah. Hold on, I've got, <laughs> I've got notes on how big you were then. In 2018, you did around 50 million in revenue, right? That's correct, yeah. And you didn't have a sales team? No, because um, okay. most of our growth was organic. You know, people were trying the tool, growing organically. But then we realized that, you know, we have this huge customer base. All of them have potentials to grow. Let's bring a sales team to help them grow, you know, past 50, 100... Yeah. 150 people. But it was hard because, you know, it's another growth engine. It's another thing you need to support. The company needs to adopt. 
It's not that we you know, change our model, but it's another part of the company that we need to support. So it was a hard change. We can give an example. It was painful because we said in the beginning we didn't uh, want to start off with a sales team because mm-hmm. uh, then you have a really good salesperson and he sells something you don't have and then you yeah. need to build it. So no. we wanted the roadmap, the tool to be uh, 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 not be considered by like the someone good in sales, but like for actual people to use uh-huh. it and try and that it'll grow in that way. Uh, but then at the end, it made sense to add a sales team because like bigger companies need help. Yeah, they need, like, they need the help, they want yeah. help, and those kind of stuff. And then, you know, the sales team would come to the product, which was really good and solidified at that point, uh, and tell them, we need that to close the deal. And they said, okay, it's not in the roadmap. It's like, you know, but wait, that's not how we do things. Like mm-hmm. we want to be there for our customers. Uh, we can say like, uh, if it makes sense now, let's not change, uh, like, uh, 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 let's wait for it in the next quarter. Mm-hmm. That's not our style. So we had to adapt those kind of stuff to help uh, support uh, the sales team uh, that we, we do whatever it need, is needed in right. their process. They have a good view of what the customer yeah. demands today as opposed to what they might want six months Yeah, and we want to win. We want to win. We want to be there for our customers. So we are very KPI driven. And the KPI was one thing, and now we've integrated the sales as part of the KPI, and it works. So we kind of like, there was a tough period, but we're over it now, and now it works like really well, and mesh really well together, the no touch and the, and the sales. So two more questions before I let you go. One, one about culture, and you mentioned culture and how that's like helps keep things glued together as, as you've scaled. Is the... Have you had to add cultural values to the business as you scale that you didn't need when you were smaller that now fit a larger organization? Um, I'm fascinated by watching companies grow and kind of what they have to accrete to keep going. Um, it's funny because we never kind of sat down and, and listed a bunch of things that we consider to be. Everyone does that in Silicon Valley. Come on, that's like a, that's like everyone's favorite offsite. Well. We, we took a different approach. Because of that, by the way, yeah. print it on the world and it, it, like that's not how you. It's actually not. build it. No. It's like you need to leave something and then like, uh, uh, you know, understand what you did. Uh, and uh, what you so so in, we, we yeah. did a bunch of stuff that we believed in and people, you know, adopted it and, and, and got used to it. And then it was funny because people within the company reflected to us what the culture is mm-hmm. and we kind of built it together, but out of how we acted as a company and not um, according to a bunch of bullet points that we put on the wall somewhere. We, we just now started uh, listing a few words, you know, so we, we have a few words now. It's like not the full list, mm-hmm. but it's like uh, uh, inclusion, mm-hmm. uh, speed, mm-hmm. trust, ownership, and, impact. ownership and impact. I mean, those are all good words. Of yeah, course. Well, of course. <laughs> but, but we leave words. It, but we leave them way, way before we could pronounce the. Yeah. So inclusion, like we started off with transparency. Mm-hmm. But we, like over time, we understood there is way more than just transparency with the numbers. It's inclusion, like you need to explain it to people. So, for example, we have a lot of people that are, uh, it's hard for them, the, the, it's not their background to query the database. So it's open, like uh, the analytics database, but mm-hmm. we build a data school to yeah, include them, to help them to learn so they can you know, understand that business better. So those kind of stuff. 
we mean by inclusion. We can go on each one of them and give a lot of examples. No, no, it's good, it's good. <laughs> one, one is the perfect amount of example. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, before I let you go, so um, I wasn't gonna press you on going public because I didn't particularly think it was gonna be very interesting, but because you've been so cash efficient and because you're, you've reached 120, 130 million ARR, you're very similar in, in substance in terms of like uh, spend and also size to Asana, who did just announce that they're gonna pursue a direct listing in the United States probably this year. So I'm kind of curious, one, if you noticed that, I'm sure you did. And also two, how that possibly impacts um, how you think about an eventual possible liquidity event for the business. I mean, listen, um, going public is on our roadmap. At some point, it's not our goal as a company. Yeah. We're still growing very, very fast. Uh, even this year, our goal is to double again. So go from 120 to 240. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's still great momentum. The company is growing very fast. And just, you know, we are not in a hurry. You know, the company have enough cash, and we're going to be cash efficient at the end of this year. So we don't need the cash to raise money. We don't need, uh, we're not stressed to go public. So at some point, we'll do it. But, uh, you know, we're still having fun. So uh, why not? Why not wait a little bit more? Yeah, and I, and I think like our, our objective from the beginning, and this is something that you should, uh, like uh, generally we should expect more from coming from Israel to be a big, a big company. Mm -hmm. So eventually, like if you're uh, not uh, selling it, uh, so IPO is like the, where we will end up mm -hmm. with to build a big company. And it's exciting what Asana is doing, like a uh, public listing. It's interesting. Yeah. We'll uh, pay close attention and learn. <laughs> to see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> no, sure, yeah, it will go it's great. Like the, sure. uh, it's like uh, they're a good company. Yeah, they're a great yeah. company. No, they're smart people and a good company. I'm, I'm excited to see if their direct listing, if it happens in the next couple of quarters, will shake a few more companies out of the tree uh, to get the process underway because there's a lot of unicorns out there, of which you guys are one, um, that need to get out before the economy eventually does something strange. And that has to happen at some <laughs> It's like, yeah, everyone is saying, yeah. like, the question is when, you know? Uh, I've been saying since 2015, so I've stopped guessing because I've been wrong. But if you're wrong 48 times before you're right, no one's impressed. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I promise we keep it brief. Thank you guys very much for coming in. A real treat. And uh, we'll talk in six months when you're about 180 million ARR. It'll be fun. <laughs>